I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Alexis the midwife. And I'm Becky the doula. Welcome to Notes from the Mother Box, where we will be having real and frank conversations about the highs and lows of the parenting journey. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us over on Instagram. We are delighted that we have a fantastic partnership this season with Sophie Le Giraffe, especially because this year is Sophie's 60th birthday. Oh, exciting. And we do have some exciting things lined up in Sophie's honour across this season, including a special birthday celebration episode. We cannot wait for that one. (laughs) That episode is going to be published on May the 25th, her exact birthday. Slightly random, but I realised the other day that actually the giraffe shape is perfect, isn't it? Because of the long neck and the legs, it's perfect for baby to grab. I'd always wondered why it wasn't another animal. Now we know. Absolutely, Becky. I think it definitely has to do with the fact that Sophie has a long neck and babies with their pincer grip as they're learning to move their hands forward, grasp what they want to bring to them and then they explore them, don't they? So it works perfectly. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to see the full range of Sophie Le Giraffe products, head over to sophielegiraffe.co.uk. So pop the kettle on, pour yourself a cuppa, get comfy and enjoy this week's episode of Notes from the Mother Box. Today, we are very lucky to be joined by Tina Mason, one of the best women's health physios around who also happened to write a brilliant physio section for us in the little book of self-care for mums-to-be. Tina is a mother of two who runs a fabulous women's health physio clinic in Brighton and helps us look after lots of our lovely pre and postnatal mummers. Tina, thanks for coming and joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, ladies. Welcome, welcome, darling. Obviously, today we are going to be talking about all sorts of things to do with perineums, pelvic floors, rectums, vulvas, vaginas. We're going to be going there. It's, it's going our to be favourite happening. topic, basically. And <laughs> as a physio, a doula and a midwife, we are so okay yeah. with that. <laughs> but just to get started, backtracking slightly, because obviously you're an incredible physiotherapist, can we talk a little bit about your own experiences of having your own two children, the pregnancies and the births and the postnatal recovery for you? Absolutely. So um, when I actually had my, both my children, I wasn't a women's health specialist. So I did come across quite a few problems after I had my children. My births, my pregnancies and births were pretty straightforward. I was an incredibly lucky mum to have two spontaneous vaginal deliveries in a pool, one in a birth suite in the hospital the second one at home, which was incredible. 
But I did, with the first one, have second degree tear. I did have stitches. Mm. I didn't look after myself because I didn't know. I was specialising in musculoskeletal health, didn't know much about women's health. Mm. After my first child, planned to get married, you know, had to get the the wedding dress on, did everything (laughs) that most mums do and um, did all of the high impact cardio exercise without looking after myself at all. Had previous slight back problems before Mm. having children from lots of sort of snowboarding incidents when I was doing seasons and stuff. Uh, And then in my second pregnancy, back went completely 20 weeks and ended up having to have surgery for it a couple of years after my daughter was born because I was in so much pain, which then massively reduced my ability to look after my children, which I felt Mm. really guilty for, you know, couldn't carry my daughter, couldn't carry my son. Um, And all of that was definitely down to not rehabbing properly. And it was after I had them that, and after looking into all of this, that it made me realize how important women's health physio is. Uh, and that's when I retrained um, and have specialized in that that area because, you know, my pelvic floor, I didn't look after it. I would still have a little leak on, you know, running after my children in the park. And, you know, my, my core muscles were absolutely shot. And there was mm. me trying to do all of these like, running and high impact stuff and which just completely screwed my back because of the fact that it wasn't supported at all. It's insane isn't it? We talk about this quite a lot because obviously in other cultures body work plays a massive part in your natural maternity care so it's part of the package it's part of you know you you get treated in pregnancy you get treated postnatally and what we see over here and Tina you and I talk about this quite a lot in clinic anyway is that women get signed off at six weeks by a GP and the GP hasn't even touched them, hasn't laid a hand on them, hasn't even really asked necessarily any questions about their physical well-being. It's usually a a mental health check, isn't it, at your sort of six-week check often. And then women go back, like you say, to high intensity without having their body. And you think about the changes that your body goes through in pregnancy and then through birth. It's insane that we don't get checked properly. I see lots of ladies who have found out from friends to come and see me for, <clears throat> excuse me, um, for like a six, 10 week check. Um, mm. When I speak to them about their GP checks, they only ever get checked if they say to them, I think I've got a prolapse mm. or I think I've got something mm. going on. But most of the time, the GP's like, how's your mental health? How's the baby? Mm. Are your stitches healed? Okay, carry on. And, yeah. you know, I've had ladies who've come to see me saying, I told the GP that I was leaking and they said, oh, it will just get better. Mm-hmm. And it's it's yeah. not okay. Whereas, you know, in other cultures, you are routinely seen by a women's health physio. You're mm-hmm. routinely given um, exercises. And that's, you know, something that I think we should be massively mm. promoting to get Absolutely. checked. So that, you know, you do get yourself yeah. like fit and healthy again, especially if you want to have another child, because having two children puts even more strain on your body mm-hmm. so that you can be the fittest, healthiest mum that you want to be. Absolutely. And I say this from experience because truth be told, after many years in midwifery, I would often point women towards if they were having um, problems postnatally, uh, you know, I'd I'd point them in the direction to go speak to a GP, you might get a referral to the physiotherapist. But I put my hands up and I admit there was never one time when I would have pointed someone in the in the direction of seeing a specialist women's health physio. And that's really perhaps that investment of seeing someone who specialises so well in that that area, that specialism. Um, 
and I wish I'd known about it before, but it was only in recent years, obviously, when Becky and I met you down here in Brighton, mm. that I had this aha moment. And I thought, oh, we've been missing a trick all of these years. And there are physiotherapists yeah. who, who specialise in this and can actually make a huge difference. And I think women. this is why the conversation needs to keep being had, because like you say, Tina, lots of the time people don't know, they know something doesn't quite feel right, but they don't know where to go. So I had a prolapse after my second and I went to the GP and it was only because I worked in the pre and postnatal bodywork field that I knew what it felt like. So I went and I said, I think I've got a prolapse and I was referred to gynae. Um, I had a really dodgy time there. Most gynees are great, but unfortunately I got told I needed surgery for yeah. erectosil and cystosil. I got offered a full hysterectomy aged 30 um, mm. because they were sort of like, you could nip this bit, nip this bit, but your wound might fall down. So, and only because I knew that it was a muscular thing, I was like, well, whoa, whoa, hold on. We should try physio first, yeah. right? But if I hadn't have worked in that field, I wouldn't have really known to question that. And then I did six weeks pelvic floor physio, completely fine. You know, yeah. had a minor grade cystocil still, but the rectocil had, had rectified. Um, <laughs> so you're just like, we need to talk about this more so people yeah. do know how to access the help, don't we? Absolutely. So many people, because that first protocol is going to the GP, then they get referred to gynae, then the gynees are, can be quite gung-ho with the whole um, surgery often they'll just say just leave it until you finished having children and then we'll just nip it all back up again mm -hmm. which is not acceptable mm. because if you can have conservative treatment and you can actually get yourself better by just doing rehab yeah. then it's so much better because ultimately your pelvic floor is a muscle it's exactly the same as if you were training your bicep or your thigh muscle or you know if you broke your leg and you were non-weight bearing for six weeks your muscles would be a lot weaker and you'd have to build them up again it's yeah. exactly the same as yeah. after having a baby. You know, the weight of the baby has been pressing on that muscle for like probably from about five, six months when it's got heavier. That muscle's not working effectively. It then has to be retrained. It's also then stretched during labor if you've had a, a vaginal delivery. Mm -hmm. With a C-section, you know, you've been cut in your um, abdominal muscles, your core muscles as well. So, and they have a co-contraction with the pelvic floor. They work together to stabilize that whole pelvic structure. So everything has been stretched or cut and it's not going to then work effectively. So you have to then rehab it. And the big thing with pelvic floor rehab as well is it has to be slow and functional. You can't just go, right, three months in, three months postnatally, I'm feeling fantastic. I'm just gonna go and run because yeah. that impact mm. of just that constant mm. impact and gravity and the lack of support is just going to cause problems with your pelvic organs. Yeah. This goes back to that recovery though as well. And obviously, yeah. you know, Becky and I and the Little Book of Self-Care for New Mums and how passionate we are about women really taking their time and this, this awful sort of bounce back culture where you have to show up, you have to show willing, you've got to be out running and walking the dogs yeah. or doing whatever you, you were doing prior to having babies quite soon afterwards and I do think some changes are coming I do think women and birthing people are being more intentional about recovering after they've yeah. birthed whether it be abdominal um, or vaginal but we've still got a long way to go and I will yeah, add that certainly for me and I am going back a bit because I did my training to be a midwife back in 2004 so it's quite a long time ago now I don't remember ever having a physiotherapist come and talk to my cohort yeah really? I don't remember any 
women's physiotherapist at all coming and talking to us about what it means during pregnancy all the physiological changes that happen birth itself and the impact postnatally yeah and had I have known that myself perhaps I would have cared for myself even slightly better Mm -hmm. after just sorry during the pregnancies and following in the postnatal period to my own three birth experiences yeah but you know there was there was a naivety there and I didn't have the depth of knowledge to really understand and that's why Tina meeting you was such an absolute godsend it's a real difficult one because uh in the NHS there are well generally I think there are few and far between women's health specialists Mm -hmm. within the NHS um because the, the, the service is so limited the patients that they are seeing are the worst of the worst. They're the really, really bad mm. ones, like the doubly incontinent, the ones where you've got a grade three or four prolapse where it's, you know, it's fully coming out of the, the vagina. And so you're they're not seeing the day-to-day ones that should be picked up. Mm. You know, if you've had a, a 3C tear, so a full tear all the way through yeah. the perineum, you've had major problems, then that's the patients that they're picking up, but they're not actually seeing anyone routinely, which then makes all the mums assume that they're fine to carry on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also that like you were saying about you sort of expect symptoms postnatally, like we're, we're taught, aren't we, that we just put up yeah. with it and we have those annoying ads, which don't get me wrong, those piddle pads are great if you need them, but yeah. it's sort of that the, the narrative behind those ads are, it's okay, you know, it doesn't matter, it's natural. And it, it's it doesn't say, but you should go and be seen by somebody and, and get some support. So in clinic, I'm seeing more and more and more women pro- with prolapses, but none of them are talking. So the, 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 when we start having our conversation, it still feels like a bit of a taboo, like something that's quite isolating that people don't talk about very much. When I had mine, I think maybe because of the work that I do, I was telling everybody. Yeah. And then suddenly loads of friends were having aha moments going, oh God, yeah, I've had that. And they'd mm. been walking around with it, like just putting up with it because again, they thought, well, it's just postnatal. Do you know like the percentage of women suffering with some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction post-birth nowadays? So I've, I've, I've got a few uh, stats for you, facts and stats yeah. for you. They are, unfortunately, um, lots of the women's health uh, research is quite old still. Yeah. Um, but Hagen and Stark in 2011, that was the earliest, the latest one I could find. They were said 50% of women who have had children have some degree of symptomatic or asymptomatic pelvic organ prolapse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. mainly vaginal births, but you can still have problems with C-section because a lot of the time C-sections are um, emergency C-sections. So you've mm-hmm. spent all of that time pushing, a long labor yes. of pushing. Yeah. And then you have a C-section. So you're then doubly weaker in that area. Yeah. And also I think there's a... So 66% of women with a diastasis rectus abdominis have a pelvic floor support dysfunction leading to stress urinary incontinence and pelvic organ prolapse. So Okay, so the stats are high and that's an old, an old... So one of the things I think would be helpful for people listening, because quite often clients of mine will only have an aha moment when I say are you feeling this are you feeling that you know because they because there isn't even much literature on what are the symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse so maybe you could talk through like what women should look out for and if they're feeling any of those symptoms then who they could go and see that might be helpful for people listening so one of the biggest things that I think uh women generally 
don't look at their own bodies. Mm. I think we Mm. are massively shamed into thinking that our vulvas are private because they are our private parts and because they are hidden, we shouldn't look at them. So Mm. a lot of the time women only look at them after they've had birth, they've given birth and they've had stitches and they've gone, I best see if the stitches are are healed and then go, Mm. oh my goodness, what on earth is going on down here? (laughs) And, you know, if we were a bit more in touch with ourselves, like Mm. actually have a look, you know, I've got a six-year-old daughter and as soon as she says, mommy, my vulva's sore, I'm like, right, let's get the mirror out. Let's have a look. You have a look. You see if it's sore. You see Mm -hmm. if you've cleaned yourself properly. Let's put some cream on. And that's what women should be doing. We should all be having a look so that, when you do have symptoms or problems, then you are you can be more aware of it. So prolapse symptoms, you can feel like a heaviness, a dragging feeling inside. A bit like if you go for a run or if you jump, you feel like your insides are slightly falling out. Like you just mm. feel like that dragging inside. I remember when I knew that it was, ha- I had experienced that was that we'd gone to um, Brighton Town Hall I've told you this story, Becky, before. Yeah. We'd gone to register Wilf, my youngest baby's birth. And we were walking outside afterwards. And I said to turn to Dan and went, I feel like I've got a tampon that's falling out. And he went, right. And I went, well, I'm not wearing a tampon, darling. I've just had a baby. I was like, what is going on? And I did exactly that to you. Know, I went home. I, in fact, I knew in my head, I knew what was going on. I went home and I had a check and I could actually see it. Yeah. The vaginal wall slightly coming down. And I actually went to the GP and and we, we looked into it at that point. But yeah, that was the sensation for me. It was like, yeah. feels like a tampon's falling down and out. Yeah. And then if you have a look, you know, get a mirror, squat over a mirror, have a a look. Mm. You'll see it more as well in standing um, because gravity will come down. Um, If you do see anything sort of in the entrance to the vagina, look for a women's health physio, get yourself checked. Examinations uh, by women's health physios, they're really gentle. They're not like smear tests. There's no like legs in the air, speculums, all this sort of thing. It is just a gloved finger with a bit of lube just to feel the inside check the muscle contractions. I think during my check with you, Tina, weren't we talking about Netflix programmes? Yeah. I think we were, yeah. <laughs> we were basically exactly. talking we're about what, what, what Netflix programmes we recommended. I mean, it really wasn't, you know, uncomfortable or awkward. It's 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 a very gentle exam, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've been there too. I've got the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Tina's looked after both when of us. She's looked after both of us. And, and when you were examining me, I just found it really fascinating because obviously you were talking me through what was going on and, and suddenly the feelings I've been having really made a lot of sense to me yeah to be honest and it was you know it was it was a light bulb moment for sure it's a very gentle examination and I think the awful thing though with that is that women after they've had a baby they feel so like that they have been looked and touched by everyone that actually when they come to see me they're not that embarrassed either Mm. because they're just like well everyone else has done it so I I do try and make it as gentle and as kind as possible Mm. and you know cover Mm. you up as much as possible because you know it is you lose your dignity a little bit when you have a child so (laughs) I I try and make it as nice as possible. And is there anything that we can do to prevent prolapsing is there anything that we can do to kind of strengthen the pelvic floor in pregnancy or anything that we should avoid I mean I know one of the things that we were told in our training was pushing like 
if you need a poo, you shouldn't push at yeah. all and to kind of raise your knees up. So what are yeah. the kind of things that you can do to help yourself? Well, Tina loves raising the knees up. Yeah. Or that's one, that's one of her things. <laughs> <laughs> Little stool by Little the stool. toilet. You need your stool stool. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We, we call it the stool stool. You have to have the stool stool. Knees up because um, squat position. When, when you're not in that position, the rectum is kinked by one of your muscles. So if you are a little bit constipated, which often happens in pregnancy and post-birth, mm-hmm. the feces has to go around a bend. You don't want that because that means you have to strain more. So by putting your feet up into a squat position, that allows the rectum to be straight again and it the, the movement can go straight down. Mm. But the big thing is don't push. So when you're picking up your baby, when you're lifting anything up, like if you've got a toddler, you pick them up, don't hold your breath because that's bearing down and that's pushing down. Mm. When you are a little bit constipated, just wait, drink some water, have some prune juice, and then have your knees up. Don't strain, breathe out. All of Mm -hmm. these movements and activities where you feel like you need to strain, you want to be breathing out Mm -hmm. um, so that you're not bearing down. Because as soon as you increase that abdominal pressure, that pushes down onto the pelvic organs. If your pelvic floor muscles underneath the pelvic organs aren't strong enough to counteract that abdominal pressure, everything's just going to fall down. Absolutely. Women that we see often will say, um, oh, I just keep forgetting to do pelvic floor exercises. I'm so busy, especially if they've already got a child already. Yeah. Have you got any tips as to how, you know, what point in the day is good to do it? Little maybe handy ideas as to when they could slip it into the general busyness and fullness of life, really. So with any urinary incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse, the NICE guidelines do say that you should try and do a full set of pelvic floor exercises three times a day. And that will take minimum of 12 to 16 weeks of uh, doing those exercises for either urinary incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse to improve. It is tough, but I would say try and do them in the morning rather than the evening, because when you've been up on your feet, you're carrying babies, toddlers getting on with your day later on in the day the muscles are going to be tired again they're muscles just like any other muscle if you're Mm. tired those muscles are going to be tired so try and do them first thing in the morning and it really depends on what state your pelvic floor is in whether you need to be doing them lying down sitting down standing up but if you can feel that engagement so it's anus to pubis so it's stopping yourself passing wind to stop yourself having a wee if you can feel that contraction and hold it and keep breathing and keep talking then that's great just try and think about doing them throughout the day I always say to my patients that are a little bit further along the line doing better right think about it when you're brushing your teeth think about it when the kettle's boiling think about it when you're waiting for the pasta for your kids you know making dinner all of those things think about it when you're pushing that buggy up the hill you don't have to hold Mm. it for the whole time but it's just learning to engage it again and making the brain remember that this is when the muscles should be working and just switching them back on again. One of the most helpful things that we did when I came to see you was that you actually during the examination asked me to do a pelvic floor exercise. Mm. Yeah. And you were like, that's that's the one, that's where it's working. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. Okay, that's how I need to be doing it. And again, I'm saying this from the perspective of the fact that I'm, I am a midwife. I've been yeah. working with birthing people for so many years. But actually, like I said beforehand, you have that depth of knowledge, Tina, because you are a specialism in, in that remit. And actually it was so, so good to know that and to hear it from you. 
Well, there's、mm. a really high percentage of women that are doing it wrong.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not taught though, are we? No, exactly. Like, no one teaches、exactly. us properly, unless we come and see people like you. Yeah, and you know that's the other thing I wanted to say in this was that there are so many products out there to support strengthening your pelvic floor. You know, you can get weighted balls. There's the LV. There's all of these、uh, biofeedback machines and things like that. And don't get me wrong, I do use biofeedback and I do use、uh, Stim. In clinic, if needs be,、mm-hmm. but you know, lots of my patients come in and say, "Oh, should I get an LV? Should I get? I、yes. bought some weighted balls. Shall I use this?" And I'm like, "No, don't bother. Like, it's so much easier not to have to put something in, turn your phone on, check the thing.、Yeah. Uh, you know, all of this when you could have just done it by the、yeah. time you've done all of that. You know, it's a simple exercise that you can do. No one needs to know you're doing it." If you're weak, it's good to sit down and properly concentrate on it. But if you're getting、mm. stronger, then you don't need all these gizmos and gadgets. And especially with things like the LV, if you're not doing your pelvic floor exercises correctly, all it does is you're trying to get the circle to go up and, and meet the ring in, on your screen, and you're trying to get it to go as high as you can.、Mm-hmm. You end up using all the wrong muscles, so you end up using your leg muscles, your bottom muscles, and things like that. And that's what lots of ladies、uh, often do: is they overuse their abdominal muscles or their leg muscles. We found that, didn't we? When you were looking at me, I had actually been using the LV because I'd been sent it, and I was thinking, "Oh, I'll give it a little go." And I had been overusing my abdominals, and you were like, "No, no, no, you need to stop." Switch,、yeah. You know, and I, so I wasn't accessing the right muscles. I think the LV is great for maintenance later because actually it's really good for making you want to go back and do your pelvic floor exercises because there's actually little games that you can track on your mobile phone. I think the thing is is that you need to learn to do the exercises first. Learn the basics, and then you can use the LV app afterwards for maintenance. Yeah, the the muscle has to be really strong before you can、mm. use these things. And then we have to do pelvic floor exercises for life. It's not、mm-hmm. just a, a postnatal thing or during pregnancy. Once we hit perimenopause and our、yeah. uh, estrogen levels drop, the muscles do become less effective. They're not as strong. They're not as elastic. They don't spring back exactly like our skin. You know, this is why we get wrinkles and all that sort of stuff. The tissues just don't bounce back. So if you can have a really strong pelvic floor throughout your life,、uh, mm. and especially postnatally, and keep that going, you're going to have fewer problems in perimenopause and menopause for things like prolapse and incontinence. Because there's a much higher risk of having prolapse、mm. at menopause if you've had vaginal deliveries. Mm-hmm. I can't stop doing them while you're talking about it. <laughs> no, it's my- I was thinking the same. I'm like,、uh. it's going up and down like a lift down there, darling. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> Fantastic. What, what do you think about perineal massage, Tina? Just out of interest, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think it's going to do any harm. I'm.、Mm-hmm. I will be honest. I don't really know、uh, if like the evidence behind it, but I don't think that there's any harm in it at all. I think if you can. Stretch that perineum out, and you can soften it up a little bit、yeah. um, pre-birth. Then, fantastic. It's one of those things I find that anecdotally, women often will report back that it was it was a positive had a positive impact、yeah. on their bodies, but the evidence isn't solid enough、yeah. for us to to give it the you know the、mm. go ahead as such. But we got to listen to women and the experiences that they're having as well. I think that's very yeah, important.、Absolutely. So I did it with both of mine. Yeah, and、um, yeah, had had minimal damage down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We hope you're enjoying our chat with Tina so far, but now for a little ad break because Lex and I want to tell you some more about the fabulous Sophie Le Giraffe and why she's so popular with babies all around the world. From the age of three months, Sophie is designed to stimulate each of your little one's senses, the next one of which is taste. And this is important, isn't it, Becky? Because Sophie is made of 100% natural rubber and food grade paints. So we can assure you she is completely safe to chew. Her soft texture and chewable parts makes her the perfect companion for your baby's sore gums during teething. And as the series goes on, we'll be going through all the other senses that make Sophie so special for your little ones as if we needed any more reasons to love her. But right now, let's get back to the second part of our brilliant chat with Tina. I actually had to see a physio in my second pregnancy because my sciatica was so, so awful. And basically, it turns out that my glutes had given up and run away to the hills. (laughs) And the rest of my body was trying to overcompensate for it. And I have to say, the pain was excruciating. It's really, really common. Because of the relaxin that's soaring through your body, the hormone, mm-hmm. uh, when you're pregnant, it does make all of your tissues uh, much stretchier, which is what you'd need for your tummy to get bigger, for your pelvis to widen. Um, but that does cause your pelvic floor to become weaker and your pelvis becomes a lot weaker as well. Mm-hmm. Us ladies are terrible at glute work. You know, most women you see, they've got really, really weak glutes. We overuse the front of our hips, so our hip flexors, uh, our thigh muscles. We use our backbones. We use the backs too much. And so what happens in pregnancy is when we're not using our glutes and then we don't use them through pregnancy, everything else has to kick in. Mm -hmm. And there are much smaller stability muscles within your pelvis underneath your bigger gluteal muscles, uh, especially the one piriformis, which you can stretch out by doing pigeon pose uh, in Mm -hmm. yoga. The sciatic nerve runs through that. And what happens a lot of the time in pregnancy is because you've lost that stability, those muscles kick in really, really hard to try and Mm. keep you together. And then they squeeze around that nerve and it causes lots of problems. And that's why you also then get these sort of low back pains on one side. That's your sacroiliac joint because that becomes a little bit unstable as well. And, you know, it shifts like half a millimeter, but can cause tons Mm. of pain and your pubic symphysis as well. I don't think I even, until I specialised in pre and postnatal, I don't think I really realised the role of the glutes in the pelvic floor. Again, you're not really tall, are you? It's something you don't work until you start specialising in that area and you're like, oh, wow, it's like, it's yeah. so important. But if you think of the structure of your pelvis, if you think of the bones and that's the main sort of load bearing area yeah. of your body. And it's also holding all of those internal organs. It's keeping you up. So if all the muscles around that area aren't working effectively, then it's just going to cause pain because the external muscles, so all of the other ones have to kick in. They get tight. It causes loads of biomechanical problems. Then you get back pains, you get hip pains and all of this. So if we can get you as strong as possible, then it's it's much better. Uh, later yeah. on in life. Something we feel isn't talked about enough, which again, we, we see quite a lot in clinic is just how emotionally linked the pelvic floor is and how often um, 
when I have clients in and they're having pelvic floor, and often when they've come to see you, they think their pelvic floor is weak, but actually it's hypertonic because of this sort of stress response. Um, like what, what can women do for that? You know, obviously they need to go and see a specialist, but how do we release the pelvic floor fully and functionally without it kind of causing weakness? So I see lots and lots of women with pelvic pain syndromes, such as vulvodynia, vaginismus, mm-hmm. and they are often all linked to tight pelvic floor. That also then has a link to our emotional stress. There's a huge link between uh, emotion and the pelvic floor. So any stress, anxiety, trauma going on, that can lead to tightness in the pelvic floor and pelvic pain. I explain to my patients that you know if, if you are feeling a bit rubbish what do you do we go into a fetal position you know that's our protective position is to curl up into a ball but that then causes all of this tightness so you may sleep in a fetal position Mm. you crunch yourself up Mm. um as sort of a protection if someone comes near you and you're feeling a bit rubbish you would you'd you'd curl up again into a ball so Mm. everything just becomes tighter and tighter in that area i also explain that it's exactly the same as if your friend had Uh, headaches from stress and had neck pain and shoulder pain it's just a different area of the body that's getting tight but your friend with the headaches and the neck pain can tell everyone oh I've got really bad headaches oh I've got neck pain I'm going to go and get a massage I'm going to go and see a physio and get that sorted if you've Mm -hmm. got pelvic pain and you've got severe pain inside your vagina who do you talk to no one you feel like you're an Mm -hmm. island on your own just dealing with this hideous problem with nowhere to turn, but there is so much. So I see lots of ladies, we work on lots of down training techniques. So the biggest thing is trying to uh, work out the causes of the stress and how how to deal with those. So lots of breathing techniques, meditations. I use lots of soft tissue massage around the external uh, muscles, lots mm. of stretching like happy baby and yoga is a really mm, good yeah. pelvic opener and then breathing all the way down into the pelvis one of the big things with these types of pains is disassociating as well mm-hmm. so ladies tend to switch off from their pelvis like if you've had a traumatic birth and you've never dealt with it you switched off from that area and then you've had stress and tension and you've and it's all gone into that area. You just don't even think about it. You just don't want to. So one of the big things is trying to reassociate. So getting them to feel their pelvis, to remember that it's them, because that's the way that we then uh, are able to treat it, because it has to be part of their body for them to understand that it, it, it can get better. Oh, it's the, honestly, this is just so insightful. I, I mean, I'm finding this fascinating and I've been to see you and I, I know I have more than a basic knowledge. Becky's exactly the same. So yeah. I can only imagine people listening right now might hopefully are having moments when they really are feeling quite yeah. validated actually for what they might have been going through, what they might Absolutely. have experienced two, five, 10, 20 years ago. It doesn't matter yeah. because we can hold on to these things for such a long time. I think it's really important to say that often it doesn't take too long to 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 work through this stuff either does it you know like I often have clients who will come and see you for a few sessions and they come back and they're like different people they their bodies have released you know they've they're they're just softer they're I can work with them better and and it you know it's it's not like you have to do loads and loads and loads often it is 
small like like a quick release and little and often isn't it so I think a lot of it's education as well I think yeah as soon as women understand what's going on and understand that they're not just going crazy and that there is help yeah that's a huge weight off their minds like to know that someone else has got this and someone else has got better from this and actually mm. there's so much I can do to help myself it's a yeah. it's really empowering um, yeah. so lots of people do they leave the session going oh I feel so much better already and then we work on all the things that they can do at home you know I'm as a physio we never want to see people forever we want to see people empower them to be able to help themselves if things come back in the future mm. and this is what I say to a lot of women is that especially with the pelvic pain syndromes is that these symptoms are likely to return at some point in your life whether that's because you've had a grief event or a trauma or something's happened mm-hmm. a stress event it will likely come back but you will now have the tools to be able to stop that from getting worse again. And you know that you can get yourself better. So rather than letting it get really, really bad, they can use those tools to go, okay, I can handle this. This is okay. Yeah. Such an important narrative, such an important Mm. story to share because what we've seen through the years, and we joke about it, but really it's not funny, is woman is incontinent. Woman puts in a big fat lady pad, you know, smiles and you know jumps out the door and gets on with her day like absolutely nothing has happened yeah and this is the narrative that we see often in advertising on television in magazines and we don't see that this isn't actually okay you deserve Mm. to feel better than this and there's actually help out there that you can get and one of the things that always fascinates me is if a man had an experience and this might be controversial and I apologize. (laughs) I've just, it's just one thought. Okay. If a man had an experience, something physical, his body had been through and it left him incontinent. Mm. Would he be happy for 10 years to pop a pad in his undercrackers and crack on with the day? No, I think probably not. Have a little think about that for a moment because I can't see that that would be okay. It's interesting that actually, because I do see some men with symptoms as well, but they, they come and see me a lot sooner than this is what I'm wondering but I think that's also because you know we're so busy with the kids it takes an average uh, average woman seven years to seek help for incontinence Mm -hmm. because of the fact that they are it's when the children are at school and right, you've got a bit yeah. more time. Lex, you are Yes, I'm going to yes. be honest. Yeah. I've got to just put you my hand it. up and, and be that person. And you had us both nagging you constantly, yeah. didn't you? But it was about having space, I guess. Do you know what it was? Space. It was literally, Tina, you're absolutely spot on. I actually had told myself in my head, when Wilf starts school, you go yeah. and get that fixed. Right, yeah. yeah. And is uh, So my three children were at school. Now it's time for me to look after me. That is the story we tell ourselves. Yeah, and I cannot yes, be the only person doing that. No, I no, think that's so, no. so common. We see it time and time again, Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important because, you know, urinary incontinence, yes, it's really, really common. That's why there are mm-hmm. these products out there. But it's not normal and it can be treated. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, with just a few sessions of physio and going and doing your exercises... If mm. I could have gone back and seen you, Tina, after I had Toby almost 10 years ago now, I mean, I, I do regret that. Even I didn't know about it the way that I do now and I yeah. wish I had because it, it, it's a ga- it was a game changer. And honestly, it, it's 
you know, it's common sense. If I'd have just known that you were there and I could have gone to see you, it would have made such a difference. It really would yeah. have. But it is, yeah, it's definitely. all it's all education and, and understanding, isn't it? And that's why we need to promote this as much as possible and get the word out, get mums talking to each other so that they know that these services are available. So many of my clients are all through uh, word of mouth because, you know, they're mums and they've they've told mm. their friend. Because I've said, you know, tell your mums that this isn't okay, that you've had this experience, because I'm sure most of them are experiencing the same thing, but just not talking about it. But we laugh mm. it off, don't we? We make yeah. light of it. We put it in the can't deal with that right now box and we think oh I can't go for a run or I'll wee myself I wee myself a bit when I'm laughing about something and I definitely can't get on a trampoline yeah yeah and that just becomes we normalize that that that's just the way it is I went to an exercise class which was a a a hit class and uh, the first time I went we were doing one of the exercises and one of the uh, ladies there went oh this is the wet your pants exercise and I was like excuse me and she was like oh we all call this the wet the pants exercise and I was like no 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 guys do you know who I am (laughs) you can't say that to me we need to talk no exactly we we need a a session no but you're right in that it, it is it's a lot about shame as well isn't it because I often have ladies who are like well it's a bit I'm embarrassed I'm a bit embarrassed and because I often when I refer refer to you and they say oh I'm a bit embarrassed I'm like don't be embarrassed but also would you would you be embarrassed to go to the doctor if your eye kept leaking like you wouldn't Mm, would you you'd go oh I've got this weird thing my eye keeps leaking or your nose or but again it's because we're taught to to be quite private and hide it and I think that's that's definitely something we need to change you know our pelvic health is just as important as every other bit of our body and it isn't shame that's why we need to be teaching our children both boys and girls yeah of of the importance it's things like you know teaching our boys about our periods and not letting them feel weird about it and absolutely teaching our girls to look at their bits and stuff so it so they know what the anatomy is you know still Mm. there are girls out there that don't realize that you have three holes you know it's yeah it's so you know the education isn't there So Tina, can we just finish with a little sex talk? We know that lots of ladies worry about having sex after a vaginal birth and they're sort of worried about it hurting or if it's okay, if it's safe. Any top tips for getting back in the sack after having a baby? Yes, so I get that lots from my ladies as well. So asking about that, it's a really scary, daunting thought after, Mm. especially, you know, if you've had stitches, if you've had an assisted delivery or anything like that. My biggest take home for them is to do it when they're ready. They've got to take control as well. So often uh, the first time they have intercourse, it feels too deep and it feels quite sore. So lots of lube as well. And I massively promote yes, yes, yes lube. Yes, we do as well, actually. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, because did you know I heard that over-the-counter lube has so many chemicals in it and apparently there's more testing done on hamster bedding than there is on what goes into lube? Oh, I heard that um, over-the-counter lubes are made for men, not for women. Yeah, I know. Ooh, But it goes into, but also we've got no kind of protective layer, have we? So whatever goes internally gets absorbed. So that's Mm -hmm. insane. So so they're they're not made for women, whereas the yes, yes, yes ones 
are yeah. made for women which are brilliant so we went yeah. to see them do a talk once tina and the yes 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 ladies didn't we becky up yeah. in london and i didn't realize this and it makes a lot of sense that when you go through the menopause your estrogen drops yeah and it was developed by ladies who were going through the menopause yeah. and still yeah. wanted to have great sex during yeah. the menopause yes, and throughout <laughs> and then realized that actually it worked equally as well postnatally when often you do have low estrogen as well so but again lots of people don't know this lots of people don't realize that you're a bit dry after birth Mm -hmm. so you can kind of chafe a little bit and actually using lube makes it much more pleasurable again we need to talk about it don't we vaginal dryness and then also if you've had stitches you've got any scar tissue there the two things Mm -hmm. together and then just the hesitation and the tightness that you might feel because you know you're You're getting back to to having sex after quite a while quite often it's a you know it's a bit of a but a it's a big one of taking together. control and being yes. and, and doing it when you want to. And if it hurts, stop. And just to yeah. maybe have a feel with your finger inside and just see if it, it where it's tender. That's the other thing with stitches. Massage your stitches. Mm. Uh, you know, women will ignore them because they're weird and they're horrible and it feel doesn't feel right. Both C-section uh, stitches and like episiotomy stitches or tear stitches, just get something nice on them, just a little bit of gentle oil on them and really mm. get in there and massage the stitches so that that skin doesn't feel tight and yeah, it loosens absolutely. up a bit. And just being in tune with yourself a little bit more, have a have a look, have a feel. If you're yeah. curious as well and you want to know a bit more, and I obviously these things fascinate me and Becky, we talk about it a lot. There's a brilliant book called The Anatomy of Arousal. I've got to be honest, I can't remember who the author is, but it's a best-selling book. It's I think it's an American author. Yeah. Author who, a friend of mine, who's a menstrual uh, cycle specialist, Nina, actually, Haley, who we yeah, had on the last yeah. season, recommended it to me. And it's so interesting. And there's there were things in there that fascinated me about the anatomy and physiology, yeah. basically of, of of pleasure, arousal, intercourse yeah. of those things. So highly recommend that if, if anyone's curious, no more. I think it's something like it takes a woman around 30 minutes to be ready to have intercourse, to be mm. aroused enough to have actual penetration. And, you know, you, if you've got a new baby, you don't have time for all of that. Yeah. So... <laughs> So it does, it, that's why I think sometimes it can be a bit more sore and it can feel a bit more dry because yeah. you're just not ready. Yeah. So just take your time. That's where um, we often say actually have some skin to skin. You know, we talk about skin to skin with babies, but actually having skin to skin with your partner can mm-hmm. be a really good way of kind yeah. of getting all those hormones. But it, you do need to, and we, we often say actually just take it slow. You do need to take time. I didn't realise it was about 30 minutes, but that makes yeah. sense. I didn't like my boobs being touched after no, I had I kids. Didn't. I hated it. Because well, you start was... lactating, don't yeah. you? And you're like, oh, now I've lost my mojo. Yeah, and it, was, <laughs> it was all a bit sore and everything else and I think sometimes as well you know especially when you've had more than one child you feel like everyone is touching you and everyone and you don't actually feel like so if your libido is low don't worry about it it will come back Mm. just try and still be intimate with your partner so you know hugs and kisses and still trying to be kind to each other is Mm. is really really important because sometimes you don't you don't want to have sex because you're just like, oh, I've had someone tugging at me all the time and feeding off here yeah. and doing this. I don't want yes. them, my partner grabbing my boob and giving me a squeeze or whatever. You know, you just don't want that, do you? So yeah. it's just just yes. taking control and, and, and just, but still trying to have that intimacy. And yeah. slowly, Definitely. slowly, like you say, on your terms when yeah. you're ready and 
Yeah, it's your With body. intention, absolutely, always. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, we always ask our lovely guests the following question, Tina. If you could add a note to pop inside a mother box, heading out to a brand new mum with your best bit of advice or guidance on it, what would it say? I'd say to be kind to yourself, take time to get the support and help you need. And by looking after yourself, you will be the best at looking after your family. Oh, it's so true. I love that. It's so important. You know, if you can look after yourself, you will be a better, a better mum. You'll be a better at doing everything. It's true. And actually, how many women do we see in clinic who are so depleted because they have just constantly shoved themselves at the bottom of the pile and then their body just goes, nah, not having this and something happens that yeah. I always remember one of my teachers saying you need to listen to your body's whispers before it shouts and I oh, and that's so true that's isn't nice. it it's kind of yeah that's good very much yeah. so yeah. yeah Tina you are such an authority and it is absolutely brilliant having you your insight your knowledge sharing with us this incredible information thank you for taking time out today to chat to us at the mother yeah, box that's absolutely you, brilliant well, thank you for having me it's been lovely good to chat to you ladies thanks once again to the lovely tina mason for joining us today and sharing her brilliant advice with us if you enjoyed this episode and want to know more about the work that we do look out for our books the little book of self-care for new mums and the little book of self-care for mums to be where we will talk further about birth parenthood relationships and much more we've really enjoyed this episode We're sure that you all have your own stories of your bubbers and their love for our partner this season, Sophie Le Giraffe, and we would love for you to share them with us. Send us your photos and your stories to our Instagram at Notes from the Mother Box. And don't forget to tag at Sophie Le Giraffe UK on Facebook and Instagram to share your pics with her too. Join us again next week for more chats with another amazing guest. See you next time on Notes from the Mother Box. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.